Hi folks, this is Sherry Walling, the host of Parenting Reimagined. We have another great interview for you this week. Hey, if you like what you're hearing on this program, please take a minute to give us a review or a rating in iTunes. It just takes a few minutes. You can see a link on our website uh, to the iTunes portion of Parenting Reimagined. We'd love to hear what you think. I met Ryan Scott in high school. We were both on the track team. Ryan was known for being an incredible athlete and having a bit of a temper. Ten days after he graduated from high school, Ryan enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. He has made a career in the military. Throughout his almost 20 years of military service, Ryan has been deployed numerous times sometimes for years at a time, sometimes for shorter deployments. He is a husband and a father to two daughters, ages 10 and 5. In our interview, he talks about the challenges of pursuing a military career and also meeting the needs of his family. I have to say that I think Ryan represents the best of the U.S. military. He's thoughtful, he's smart, and it's clear that he truly cares about his work and his family. I'm grateful that Major Scott took the time to talk with me. Thanks for listening to Parenting Reimagined. Would you begin by introducing yourself and saying a bit about your family? My name's Ryan Scott. I'm married to a lady I met in college. We have two kids, a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old, Maylin and Kaylee, respectively. And uh, Jenny, who I I met in college, uh, we've married now for little over 14 years um, active duty military so we uh, we've traveled quite a bit we've lived in uh, four or five states overseas and basically move every few years currently live in Tampa Florida you've been in the military most of your adult life yes I, I went to boot camp 10 days after graduating high school went on reserve duty for a couple of years making my way through college then went back on active duty and have, have been continuously active for almost 15 years what is your job in the military? <laughs> you know, I get asked that a lot, and it's, it is a hard question to answer. By, by the basic standards, I, I'm a, what we call a combat engineer. So I work in units where we build roads or airfields or uh, clear IEDs off roads or clear minefields, et cetera, et cetera. However, I haven't done that in a while because the way the Marine Corps works, you, uh, you do what we call your primary specialty for a while and then you go off and do uh, other duties to kind of make you more well-rounded and unfortunately the well-roundedness seems to take up more of my career than my actual specialty so I, I currently work as what we call an operational planner i apply problem solving techniques to look at a problem and come up with intriguing ways to solve it if you will using various measures or means of u.s capability be it political or military or economic and present those ideas to uh, you know, the higher headquarters and decide which option they want us to go down, and they execute, and we move on to the next problem. 
So you're a professional problem solver. It makes it sound like I know what I'm doing, but yes, that's, <laughs> that's a good way of summing it up, yeah. That, you are a really good person to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying I ever get the right answer, but boy, I'll have you an answer, yes. <laughs> well, what have you most enjoyed about being a father? Yeah, you know, <laughs> you put these questions out as read-aheads, and I read them a dozen times, and I still don't quite know how I'm going to answer all of them. What do I like best? Um, you know, from the, the purely self-centered portion of it, because I travel as much as I do uh, for my job, be it a couple days here or there, or in some cases it's been a year away from my kids and, and, and spouse, the, the joy that you get when you, when you walk in the door, be it just from the day, because they know that you get to go home in one day versus a month or two months or seven months, but that, that instant, you know, hey, everything's great because dad's home. The excitement that the children see when, when you're home and when you're around them. I think that's uh, it's just the self-centered side of it, but it's just the, you know, that emotion, that, uh, that connection with, uh, with them. You have this little mini fan club of people who is thrilled to see you whenever they can. Yes, yeah, very much. How would you describe yourself as a father? Ooh, I, I am not entirely the father I want to be. And that's not necessarily a negative thing. Things that I, I always kind of thought, okay, I'm going to be this type of dad or I'm going to do these type of things or things that I think now that yeah, I should be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that. And, and even though I recognize those, I, I don't necessarily follow through with them, be it time or energy or whatever it may be. And so maybe it's good that I recognize I'm not quite what I want to be to my children. But it's also a little depressing that, hey, you know, you know you can be doing better or doing something different. Why aren't you? So. I don't think I've ever heard a parent that I respect think that they do it all correctly. So I, I wonder if there's, there's something really sort of healthy about being somewhat critical of yourself as a parent. So I'm, I'm sure that military life influences family life in lots of ways. How has your family managed multiple deployments and, and lots of travel? Well, I'll tell you, um, I think any, not only just say military, but any, any person whose job takes them away from family a lot, um, be a business person that does a lot of overseas travel or even your, your local law enforcement or, or firemen where they spend, you know, nights on the street and sleep all day and don't see their family. It's, it all kind of wraps up the same. I think the big difference is when we deploy, we know we're going into harm's way. And because of that, you know, your spouse, you know, he or she, it is staying home and really by almost definition, a single parent. You know, our, our oldest child, by the time she was five years old, I had missed half of her life due to deployments in the military. And you know, my wife is having to stay home and deal with all that by herself. And I've missed you know, more birthdays and anniversaries and holidays than I, I care to uh, really remember. Because of that, I mean, because of the, the strength that she has to, to really you know, run the house, whether I'm here or not here, you know, it, it allows me to focus on what I'm doing, but it also shows us that when we are home, that we need to you know take more advantage of each other and enjoy the fact that you're home for a week or a year if you're lucky. I wonder if we're more strict on the kids because of that, because of the military aspect of, of life. You know, I live by all these rules at work. Does that come home or are we more lax because we recognize that, hey, you could be leaving next month for months on end? And uh, you try to weigh those and, and decide, you know, what's the right avenue to go down, I guess. 
Right. Do you have that extra ice cream date that week because you don't know when you might be gone again? Well, yeah. I mean, that, that type of thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we, so we live in Tampa now and Orlando's a hop, skip and jump away with all the Disney and Universal theme parks. And uh, I lost track of how many times we've gone to those, you know, things that I don't really enjoy, to be honest. I, I don't like crowds. I don't like lots of people and that type of stuff. But the kids get a, a kick out of it. And so for them, we go do that so they can enjoy it. How have you managed those big transitions? I, I guess in your in your description of of Ginny, you know, she's a single parent when you're gone. It, it strikes me that it would be pretty difficult to be a single parent one year and then, you know, a parent who's partnering with a father the the next year. What's that been like? How does that work? There have been some rough times. Um, I would say I, I think it's actually easier to do the longer deployments. You know, we, we've done two one-year deployments and a handful of you know the multi-months, four months, five months, etc. And then the current job, where it's like I said, it's a week, it's a month. For the first two years we were here, it was essentially three weeks gone, one week home. And we we have found that the longer deployments are easier, and that's because you don't have that weird transition always happening. You know it's coming. There's a, there's a pretty much finite set of dates. So you know you're going to leave, you're going to be gone, and you're going to come back around this time frame. And because of that, the, the kids and, and Jenny are able to get into a routine. There's an understanding. They're able to kind of function in this vacuum of no, no father, no husband around. It doesn't mean it's easy. It just means that it's less stressful than back and forth all the time. There's time to get used to how to handle it. There's time to get used to it. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you're never really okay with it, but you grow accustomed to a certain position or situation, and the longer ones allow you to do that. They've gotten easier over the years with the advent of you know, more technology, so you know, like we're doing now, Skyping. So those capabilities are out there and made it the times away. Maybe easier, maybe harder, I don't know. Um, when you're deployed, obviously you know, in many ways, it's probably wonderful to be able to keep in touch with what your girls are doing and see them and hear their voices. But I, is it ever distracting or is it ever hard to focus on your work? It, it is. Um, what I have found on, on some of the deployments, you know, back in, uh, in 06, I was a, an advisor in Iraq. And we tried to, to Skype as much as we could or, or instant message or whatever we were doing at the time. And Maylin was pretty young. I mean, she was... Uh, you know, three, four years old at the time. And so, she, you know, she was hearing daddy's voice. And at the same time, I'm trying to have that connection with her. But I know that as soon as I get done with that conversation that myself and my team are about to go out on a patrol with the Iraqis and potentially bad things are going to happen. You know, maybe it's the wrong mindset to have been in, but, you know, you're trying to help the wife at home who's got the kid by herself. But are you neglecting staying focused on what you need to be doing in your current location? How do you as a family deal with risk and the risk that you face when you're deployed? Um, well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. You know, I'll be honest. Um, we've, we've never talked to children about the possibility of you know, me not coming home from a deployment. You know, the, the idea that I would deploy and something happened and not come back is just not a topic we've ever, we've ever addressed, addressed with the children. Um, Jenny and I've had that conversation of the what ifs, you know. Does it make it harder to go, knowing that you're facing, you know, this risk? 
and yeah, the thought's always there, and certainly you think about it, especially after something does happen, you realize, well, shoot, that was that was almost it. And in those times, you you really got to be careful. I mean, you, at least in, in, in our house, we don't discuss those events. Um, you know, I've, I've never sat down with Jenny and walked her through, you know, the quote war stories of of my deployments because in, in my mind she doesn't need to know. And I say that because she, you know, she worries enough. I mean, she knows what I do for a living. She knows the type of jobs I've done when I've gone over there. That she's already worried enough. She doesn't need to know that this happened or that happened or wow, you know, we were two inches from this something happening or half a second. It, it's it's a stress level she doesn't need. But as far as me on that end, you know, do I conduct myself differently? with the rationale or the thinking that, hey, if I do this, it may lead to that. And I would say no. In hindsight, I wish I would think like that more often. Hmm. There's certainly been a few times where I'm like, well, that was, that was pretty stupid. But we all came out unscathed, so everything's fine. Don't worry about it. But I think if, if the average server dwells on the what-ifs too much, then the what-if is more likely to happen. There's always risk, sure. Um, but the risk, I think, gets worse if you are overthinking or hesitating or second-guessing an action versus just doing what you've been trained to do, which we are a fairly well-trained military force. So, yeah, I, I think that the thoughts are always there. But, no, I don't think that I change my actions or conduct with the knowledge or with the thought that it could have a, a serious negative impact on the family. I think it's just that this is the profession I've chosen Jenny supports that, and if at some point she says, this is enough, I can't take this anymore, I want you to get out, then I resign and get out. Hopefully that's not until after I'm retirement eligible and I can get retirement pay, but um, but it's not so important to me that I would put it above my family. It's a job that uses a very different skill set than the skill set of a father who, you know, is yeah. is strong and disciplined, but also tender and loving and that's clearly not what you're doing when you're when you're going on a patrol. Uh, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it, it depends what you're doing. I, I'll go into diatribes, but in the the counterinsurgency missions that we've been doing over the last six, seven years at this rate, it's not about just going out and you know and, and, and doing military things. It is about communicating with people and interacting with them. So maybe you know, in a way, staying connected to your family back home, you recognize what families go through when there's turmoil. And because of that, maybe you'll act differently on the patrol. And instead of your first reaction being uh, offensive or defensive, if you will, you know, military issue of, well, let me communicate with this issue before I freaking um, use force. So maybe it slows you down a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, I hadn't really thought of it until you started, until you said that. And so I'm kind of thinking back on instances and actual war is one thing where it's, you know, military versus military, but, when you don't know who the, quote, bad guy is, your actions may create your opponent because you're doing something that is upsetting them. You're going in their house and ripping it apart because you're looking for something versus knocking on the door and just getting to know the people that you work around. Or at least that was true in Iraq. Afghanistan is a little different, I guess. Yeah. Maybe it is a digression, but I think it, it raises a really interesting question that um, you, I'm sure, have, a much, have many more thoughts about it than I do. But, but in some ways... It, it seems like some of the challenge of uh, the more recent conflicts is is sort of how how human should the military be? Yeah, the, the militaries in general, and the U.S. military as much as any other, is 
it's a very interesting profession. I mean, it's it's a power projection capability of the political leadership, which in my mind, and I, I think a lot of people would, would say the same, should be the last option the political leadership uses to project power or influence. You go through most of your, your initial training on how to be the standard military force, you know, that, that military versus military, political wills battling it out on a battlefield. But then you throw in the, the range of operations that we do these days, be it you know, the counterinsurgency or the humanitarian or disaster relief. And now we're expecting this slice of society as those young men and women that, that have joined the military to potentially one day be in a, a combat firefight and the next day having a, a medical clinic set up and supporting doctors and nurses as they're giving health exams to families. You know, expecting that out of people is, is hard to do. Dealing with that sometimes is difficult. As it is hard, sometimes you make mistakes, and that just makes the problem more difficult for you. Are there things that you wish civilians understood about military life or military families? I guess. Um, I honestly wish that the, the average American citizen w- would not make such a big deal out of people in the military. Most of us, I would hope, I can only speak for myself, we didn't join to be thanked every time we go and do something. You know, it drives me nuts when military members wear their uniform in airports and people spoil them with this and that and the other. I'm like, pretend that they're, they're just like anybody else, because we are. We're, just, we're men and women that chose a profession. I, I don't think it's any more honorable or noteworthy than dozens or not, if not hundreds of other professions that you could have t- taken or, or chosen to do in your life. I, I appreciate the, uh, the thank yous. I appreciate all the activities, all the things that are done for military members, I, I really do. I wish I would see the same thoughts and concerns go to the average teacher that, in my mind, mm. has a significantly more impact on America than I do. If, mm. if we had no military, we would still find a way to project power and defend ourselves. But without the social actions of our teachers teaching our children to make our culture better, then what are we? You know, police and firemen, they put their lives at risk potentially every day as well against yeah. threats that they don't even know are there because you're at home. You're not expecting to get shot at or run over. So should not people that put themselves in that position essentially every day receive the same praise, if not more so than those of us that, as I said earlier, should be the last resort of use mm-hmm. abroad? I think so. Um, so I keep wondering how these two roles influence each other you know your life as a father your life with young daughters and then your life um you know as a marine corps officer well the marine corps has given me all the training i need so that when my young daughters become older daughters i can keep the older boys like yours away from them (laughs) (laughs) i will tell my sons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to just walk away. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a bonus. <laughs> there, there's a bonus in it, yes. As, as, as the older one gets older, I, I teach her more and more ways to take care of herself when someone grabs her or tries to grab her. And it's not the stomp on their, on their toes and yell that men and women of our age were, were told as young children. It's the muscular gouging and cause pain. Um. But no, it's uh, yeah. I mean, how, do, how does one influence the other? And, and 
I have found that since I've had children, I, I think I am more deliberate in my thinking, uh, both at home and at work. I mean, you've, you've known me for quite a few years. Um, for the sake of your listeners, I won't tell them how long we go each other because that implies that you're very old. Um, high school, high school. <laughs> <laughs> high school, yes. I've, I've always been a little hot-headed, uh, you know, quick to jump without thinking, which is sometimes a good thing to have. Often it's not. And, and I think having the family now to think about you, I mean, just in general, stop and think about what you're about to do before you do it. You're more aware of consequences than maybe you were as a young man. And certainly, yeah. Are there any benefits to the life of a military family? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, I'd like to say that Jenny would say that as well. I mean, we've, we've been doing this now for, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 20 years and she's been with me for over 15 of them. There's a lot that we like. I mean, uh, a lot of families will complain about all the moving. We, we enjoy the moves. You know, I, I grew up in Shasta County. I, I didn't travel much. I mean, every now and again, we took a trip somewhere. But, you know, my world was Northern California, whereas my children have you know, had the opportunity to live, you know, across the United States. You know, Jenny and I have lived overseas and experienced, you know, other cultures and traveled more. And, you know, just from that aspect alone, it's it's been really really interesting and, and fun most of the time. When we look back at all of our duty stations, we've got a lot of fond memories, a lot of good friends we've made over the years that we you know, still keep in contact with it. You know, we haven't seen in six, seven, eight years. But when you do talk to them, it's, it's as if it was yesterday the last time you saw them. So your world is big, and that means that the world that your kids have experienced is pretty big too. I, I, I would say certainly bigger than the, the average child of their age. You know, as a 10-year-old, you know, our oldest, she's lived in five states, you know, from uh, Georgia, Virginia, California. So it's not like, you know, just down the street. It's across the country. You know, so she's learning, seeing, experiencing things that all works out well will make her a more uh, well-rounded individual and more understanding of the differences in people and even within our own country. Hopefully that will help her uh, make better decisions because of her, uh, her knowledge and her experience. So up to this point, she seems to like it pretty well. She does. Um, this upcoming move, and we're, we're moving again here in about six weeks, um, heading back to California. Um, I think this is the first time she's a little nervous. Really, the school piece of it is the part that's got her nervous. You know, she's a fourth grader this year. She's had one B or one non-top grade, whatever that grade scale was, since she started school. But to her, you know, being the best at whatever she does is, is this huge issue to her. And the school she's at now where she's, you know, a straight-A student and principal's honor roll and all these little things that she finds important at this point, she's worried about what's going to happen next year in a new school with kids she doesn't know and teachers that don't know her. And you know, the, the things that she finds as disturbing are kind of funny to look at. You're like, oh, well, it's good that she's concerning herself with her performance, I guess, but... You know, I also want to make sure that she understands it's she's going to do fine. She's a smart young lady, and uh, she should enjoy it and just relax. I'm, uh, you know, I did know you in high school, and uh, <laughs> so maybe not the great thing, but the competitive thing. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, well, she certainly has a competitive streak. I'm on my way to try and not develop that in her. Because as you said, I, I had my, what I would refer to as character flaws as a young man that, you know, looking back, I kind of 
I wish I could slap myself around and say, hey, dummy, what, what were you thinking? Not that I was a bad person, just I could have been nicer and, and more friendly to some people. And sure my, my kids understand that, that it's you know how you act and how you treat people goes a long ways in, in how you're viewed in the eyes of others. And, and it's not that you should live your life on what other people think of you, but you shouldn't go out of your way to be the person that no one likes either. You know, yeah. How do you conduct yourself in a way that people respect you, whether they like you or not, but they shouldn't dislike you because of your actions. It sounds like fatherhood has taught you more about who you want to be, like being more level-headed, maybe being more kind. It, it certainly has a huge impact, knowing that the kids are watching and, and learning from you and, and your actions, regardless of how small they are, have significant impacts on how they view the world. What has being a father taught you about yourself? Oof, yeah, we could be here all night on something like that. Um, I'll be honest, prior to having a child, I had never really given fatherhood much thought. When Jenny and I got married, we you know discussed the whole idea of children. and you know, We came to a, a relatively quick conclusion that we didn't want any. She did not have what she considered a, a healthy or happy childhood. And uh, while I didn't have any real complaints about mine. I, I wasn't in any hurry to have children as I saw they were a, uh, you know, an anchor or something to hold you back that, you know, I want to go out and do all these great things and you can't do that with kids. But things being what they are, we, we had a child and, uh, you know, you look back now and you can't imagine life without that. You know, do they, do they fulfill you? Eh, no, maybe, maybe not. But the experiences that you get to share with them, the things that make you see in yourself, good and bad, you know, it really is an enlightening experience. I think, in all, in all honesty, I, I think you learn as much from the child. The fact that you have a child there, your your learning curve increases because of that exposure, just as much as you are actually imparting knowledge or information to them. I don't know if that necessarily answers your question. What have I learned about myself? I mean, it's... Well, maybe you learned that you can learn from a child. You know, the, the, the way in which a child views the world, I mean, they're not, they're not jaded by things yet. I mean, their view of, of right and wrong and what is possible and not possible and, you know, makes you stop and think, well, yeah, why can't we do that? I mean, the kid's right. There's no reason why we can't do that. Or, you know. So one of the standard questions that I ask guests on this podcast is about the relationship between parenting and spirituality. So I'm going to ask you, um, has being a father reshaped your view of God or your sense of spirituality? Well, you know, that, that is one of those questions you put out there ahead of time. And, and I, I've pondered more than any other how to answer that one. Religion has never been a significant part of my life. It's always been there. You know, growing up, I attended you know, services on and off. They, they weren't a, a steady state in my life. Does the, does the aspect of having you know, becoming a father then changed, you know, the kind of that, that approach to it. Yes and no. My youngest daughter goes to BBK, you know, stands for the, the four kindergarten stuff at the local Catholic school down, down the street. When we lived in Newport, my oldest daughter went to Catholic school. That was mind boggling to some of my friends and even some of my family that, you know, this guy that doesn't go to church on any regular type basis is sending his children to that type of school. And what I have found that whether or not I believe or agree, I should say more, with, with every aspect of a certain religious position, I think that the, the lessons and the values that are taught by those institutions and those people 
those are, are the values I want my children to start life with. You know, I, I'm hesitant to say, well, you know, you're going to follow this specific religion because I don't know what's going to appeal to them yet. I don't know what's right or wrong in, in the eyes of God. I know that I believe that there is a God. How I choose to communicate with him or her or that entity, if you will, I think is my choice. But I want my children to have that choice as well. So I want to give them that exposure to it, let them know what's out there, and they kind of see how they take it. Whether you can prove or disprove the existence doesn't matter. It's what you believe, how it makes you act, how you treat others, how you treat yourself. All those life lessons are available to you from different avenues, and, and I think religion is, is one of those. You know, there, there's a uh, very old military saying that there's, uh, there's no atheist in a foxhole. I, I think some of that's probably similar to parenthood. I mean, whatever religion you, you choose to follow, I think that most parents will latch onto something and say, I need guidance, I need help, I need support. And most of the world religions is a place you can go to that. One of the things that we've also been exposed to in all of our travels are different religions. While there certainly are a vast number of differences between different peoples and, and their religious you know, beliefs, when you, when you boil it down to kind of the, the, the bottom line, they're really all predicated on very similar aspects you know, very family, community-oriented structure. It's about, you know, respecting those around you, and it's about taking care of one another, and it's about protecting those that are closest to you. When you just look at the, the base story and, and what, what the religion is trying to get you to understand and see, I think those values are, are true across cultures and, and more understanding of what those are, what those, those values are that I want to impart upon my own children. I'm I'm still thinking about your uh, your statement of no atheist in a foxhole and and maybe that's application to parents you know in a way I feel like that's one of the one of my sort of hypotheses that has driven this podcast is the sense in which when people become parents it forces them to at least like consider or reconsider what what values drive their lives and for many people, that is a spiritual exploration, though not for everyone. So I guess you're proving my hypothesis. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just agreeing with you in the sense that there's lots of different ways to try to do that. But I feel like most people have to do that, have to ask those value questions, have to ask those big existential questions about what kind of life do we want to have. Yeah. Well... When your kids are ready to go to college or travel the world or begin their own military careers, yeah. what do you hope they say about you? Oof, yeah, I don't know. I hope that as they, grow, as they get older and they grow older and they go out and make their own, own decisions and choices, that they look back at dad and mom. Um, you know, they, they give us the, the tools we needed to succeed. They gave us the freedom to make choices. But they're also there to lend a hand without being, you know, directive or overbearing. You know, I'd like to know that they appreciate what their parents have done for them. That they would actively seek out our advice or our counsel on life lessons. I, I don't, I don't want anyone to think that you know I want to be friends with my kid. You know, I could care less if they like me or not. But I want them to know that I want, I want to believe that we're raising them to where they respect our opinions, our actions, and understand why. We did the things we did when they were growing up. Is there anything that you hope they take away from you specifically? Like that, that is sort of your gift to them? 
I, I hope that they always seek out challenges. I don't want them to ever settle for what they have. You know, I, I think that, that drive of, of wanting to do something, to do more, to be part of something, or I, I don't want them to ever say, you know, I regret this or I wish I'd have done that. You know, don't be idle. Go out and do something. You know, just pick, pick a, a path in the woods and, and go see where it takes you. To be open to challenge, to be active, and to be unafraid. Well, that's sort of the end of my questions. Anything else that you want to say? No, I, I, I hope I gave you something that is, uh, is worthwhile. Um, I hope that uh, something in my endless ramblings, because I do get long-winded very easily these days, was helpful for you or to someone else that may listen and say, yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought. I really enjoyed our conversation. I think it was really, it was interesting to me at least. So everyone else, who cares? <laughs> well, no, I, I, I certainly appreciate your, uh, your invitation to do it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good to have the conversation. Ryan squeezed in this interview after a long day of travel from Florida to Washington, D.C., a few days before an overseas trip and six weeks before moving across the country. I'm so glad he took the time to talk with me. I have a lot to think about, about the things that he shared. I hope that um, you enjoyed this interview and come back next week for another interview with a fantastic parent who is trying to figure out how to be open and to respond to the demands of nurturing young lives. <laughs>